Hey, this is Candace Pringle, lead pastor of FE Church, and this is our podcast. Who's ready for a brand new series this morning? Are we ready? Yes, I am ready. It is so good to see some faces in the house, faces in the seats. There's people smiling back at me. It's amazing. I love you all on the camera too, but it's been I've been looking at a camera for a long time. And, and it, even on this snow day, so many of you came out. You know what? I, I am very proud that we served our community over this past year. I am. I'm glad that we did that. I'm glad God called us to do that. Our, our history as a church is that we've been a church for those who've given up on church. We've been a church for those not yet here, right? I think we modeled that really well over the past year, serving our community in that way by not meeting together. But I'm also really, really happy to see you all. So, yeah, thank you for being here. You know, last, last year's word... I don't always ask God for a word for the year, but I sort of got one the past couple of years. Last year's word was fierce. Do you remember our sermon series in about August of last year? Fierce, right? God had given me that way back in December or January. And at the time, I was a little apprehensive. (laughs) I remember saying, God, um, really? Like, I had this feeling like God was going to develop me into being someone that had fierce faith. And us as a church and people that had fierce faith. And I know what it takes to be developed. Amen? (laughs) I wasn't sure I was ready for all that. Aaron and I had just come out of a crazy couple of years with health issues and transitioned into leadership. And it just, I I was ready for a good year. You know what I mean? And God gave me this word of fierce But do you know what? I've seen us become fierce as a church this year. I I can't tell you how proud I am of all of you that are doing the Bible plan at home. You know, you're you're connecting daily, day in and day out. You're, You're learning from each other in that way. I can't tell you how proud I am of those of you that are still online with us every single week, commenting and sharing and inviting people to watch with you. I mean, it takes a lot more work to be connected to a church that is not here in this room, right? It just does. We've we've been hand-fed this beautiful church experience as Americans over the past 50, 100 years. I don't know. A long time, right? It's been handed to us on a platter. We've had it so easy, so easy, right? We're begging you to come in the doors. We, we have people smiling and, and holding the door for you and, and waving out front. We have uh, handcrafted growth groups just for you to connect in every possible way. We have all of this like force-fed community. We've, we've given it to us on a platter over the past number of years in America. It's, it's, church has been easy. Community has been easy. And this year, suddenly it wasn't so easy, <laughs> But you all became fierce this year. Those of you that are still around, those of you that have dug in, those of you who have gotten stronger over this past year, you now have fierce faith. You know you can make it through a pandemic and political turmoil and all of the controversy. You know you can make it through all that now, right? We build faith brick by brick. It is not just something we can force ourselves to have. You can't just walk out these doors today and say, I'm just going to have have more faith. It often doesn't work like that. It lasts about an hour, right? Or, or maybe till you get on the highway and somebody is going very slow in front of you. 
right? Doesn't last that long when you force yourself to do it, but when it's hard won, <laughs> when you've lived through a thing or two and you found that God is still faithful, that's faith, right? You build faith brick by brick, and we all did that this year. Those of us that are still here, <laughs> we've got fierce faith now. We can quarantine and not isolate, right? We can be socially distant, but not emotionally distant. Right? We've learned a thing or two about building community this year, our own community, not the one that's just given to us. We've learned a thing or two this year. I've learned how to produce that joy even when we don't feel it, even when we don't have the same affirmations around us, people patting us on the back and telling us we're doing a good job. We've learned how to do that that joy that comes from within. Now, I've heard it said that joy is an inner feeling. Happiness is that outward expression, right? Joy is the inner feeling. Most of us can differentiate between the two, joy and happiness. They're, they're two different things. Right? One is, is this lasting feeling. One is fleeting. One is deep in your soul, in your gut, one is more superficial, right? Joy wants the best for us long-term. Happiness is what's good in the moment. And we live in a world today that wants you to be happy. Right? We just want you to be happy. Just whatever that means for you, we just want you to be happy. Happiness is our God as a culture. We worship at the feet of happiness. We want everything to be happy all of the time. Anyone that doesn't make me happy is cut from my life. Anyone that doesn't give me feelings of being happy all of the time, canceled. Right? This person is canceled and that person is canceled. And we talk a lot about my freedoms and my rights and my this, my that. It's me, 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 the me monster. Have any of you seen Brian Regan, the comedian? No. He's hilarious and clean. My kids watch him all the time. He's fun, but he talks about the me monster. Me, 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 me. We're all little me monsters <laughs> running around talking about my freedom, my happiness, my this and my that. We, we carefully control our world to fit around us. And Hollywood, the media, everything, advertising is all that idea, everything to you on a platter. This is the product that you need to make you more happy. This, this will complete your life. It's, it's happiness. We worship it. The problem with that idea is that humans are fickle. <laughs> right? What makes me happy today might not make me happy tomorrow. The day after that, the week after that, the month after that, a year from now, five years from now, 10 years from now, 20 years from now. In fact, it might make me miserable 10 years from now. What makes me happy today? Small decisions made now can actually affect me for a lifetime. Or may just be a fleeting, happy feeling and it doesn't last all that long. What you thought would make you happy long term doesn't last all that long. And anybody that's been a teenager knows these things to be true, except actual teenagers, that is. They don't, they don't know this yet. Right, but we know that some things that make us happy in the moment have negative repercussions for a long time, or we're just right back to feeling empty. 
doesn't actually last that long. It's like, it's like we're all carrying around these buckets. Right? And we're trying to fill these buckets every day with what makes me happy. If I, if I feel a little bit here and a little bit there and a little bit there, I'll have this full happiness and I can pour it into my soul and, and that's, that I'm happy, right? I'll be happy. It'll be filled forever. And so we go around and we're like, you know, a little bit of entertainment here. That makes me happy. And, and a little bit of, I don't know, I need that next relationship, right? I just need that Prince Charming or, or Princess Charming. That's what's going to make me happy, right? I fill my bucket with it. Right, I go around and I think, you know, pornography makes me happy. Sex makes me happy. I, I just need more of that. Or, or as simple as more likes on social media. That makes me happy. That's what I need. I just need more followers. I just need to get my word out there. That's fulfilling. That's what's going to make me happy. Or we, we overeat. We shop. New outfit. That makes me happy for like an hour. Right? And at the end of the day, we come, we lay down in bed, we come to our soul, we, we dump, we, hmm, we try to dump the, that happiness in that we collected all day. But actually it's not, like I still have this empty feeling. Hey, it's, I spent all day on me. I spent all day filling my bucket. Spent all day doing all the things that make me happiest. Why is it, at the end of the day, there's still nothing? Hello? There's nothing in there. Right? It, it, it runs out incredibly quick, happiness. What makes me happy in the moment, it doesn't actually fill my soul for all that long. You know, we do this as Christians too. This isn't just like an unbeliever thing. A lot of us think coming back to church, that's what's going to fix my problems. That's what's going to make me happy. It's just another thing when it's not filled with something behind it. Are you checking off that box on the Bible plan? Makes me feel good. Like I accomplished something, right? Church makes me feel good. People patting me on the back makes me feel good. I mean, I know. I'm not exempt from this. Like not having you all yes and amening and, and nodding in, in the audience, it makes a difference. <laughs> right? It's just all, that pat on the back, good, good preaching today, Pastor. <laughs> it feels good. It makes me feel like I'm doing a good job. And then this year I had to say, what, what is actually a good job without that? Right? How do I measure whether I'm connecting with anyone? All these things feel good. Having a full schedule feels good. Seeing prayer requests answered feels good. Checking that box, it feels good. But at the end of the day, do you actually have anything to put in the well? It's never going to fix our long-term soul issue. We fill our buckets with Christian-like things and we try to pour it in that well. It's never going to work long-term. We're all chasing happy. Maybe we should be chasing something else. Someone else. John 4. 
Jesus gives us a picture of this. He gives us a hint at what this should look like. In verse 4, he left, he, we see him leaving Judea, returning to Galilee, had to go through Samaria on the way. And we talked about this a little in Bible trivia, but just in case you missed it, Jews don't typically have anything to do with Samaritans. In fact, they literally walked around the whole region usually. Nothing to do with it. But Jesus, he goes through. And we see him sitting at the well. He comes to the Samaritan village of Sychar near the field that Jacob gave his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired from the long walk, sat wearily beside the well about noontime. We're in verse 7 of John 4. Soon a Samaritan woman came to draw water, and Jesus said to her, Please, give me a drink. He was alone at the time because his disciples had gone into the village to buy food. The woman was surprised, for Jews refused to have anything to do with Samaritans. She said, Jesus, you're a Jew, and, and I'm a Samaritan woman. Why are you asking me for a drink? And Jesus replied, if you only knew, if you only knew the gift God has for you and who you are speaking to, you would ask me, and I would give you living water. If you only knew. You only knew. Look, there's a hint here about how we are to frame our witness to outsiders, to unbelievers. There's a hint. It's a gift. It is a gift. Jesus framed it like a gift. And if you only knew the gift, right? There's, there's an intriguing quality to that sentence. Wait, there's something I'm missing? I'm missing out on a, a piece of life. I need to know the secret. What's the secret? If you only knew the gift that God has with you, he's saying this with love, not judgment. Not typically something Samaritans were used to hearing from Jews. Love. If you only knew the gift God has for you. I think our world, they're not used to hearing love from us as Christians. They're not used to hearing it. They're, they're used to hearing our judgment, our, our political outcries. They're used to hearing things we want them to do. They're not always used to hearing love from us. And we, sometimes we, we, we act like this Christian life is such a burden. Why would they want that? We walk around like, I know I should go to church. I know I should pray more. I know I should be tithing. I should be doing this and, and doing that. I should be more patient. It's not a burden. It's not a burden. We, how, how do we expect the world to want what we have when we're walking around like it's a burden and not a gift? This walk with Jesus is a gift. And take it or, or don't, but stop treating God's gift to you as an obligation. Stop treating it like an obligation when it's a gift. We get to serve God. We get to tap into the presence and power of the Holy Spirit on a daily basis. It's not we should this and we should that. We get to. We get to. It's a, it's a gift. 
They were basically walking around with the potential to be supernaturally charged with the power and presence of the creator of heaven and earth at all times. And we're walking around like it's a burden. (sighs) Who wants that? It's like every superhero movie, right? Anybody use their time super wisely over the COVID shutdown in the spring like I did and watch all the Marvel movies in chronological order? Twice. (laughs) I did it. Not that proud of it, actually, but I, I do enjoy a good superhero movie, right? They almost always have this gospel message if, if you look hard enough, right? That the superhero has to sacrifice himself for the world in the end. And isn't that the gospel? But I love superhero movies. It's like in every superhero movie, though, the superhero is all like, oh, you don't know what a burden it is to be different. And you're like, dude, you can fly, bro. <laughs> like every person that's hearing you say this would give their right arm to fly. And you want to be normal? What? Good. No. I mean, like nobody wants to hear complaints from a superhero. You, no. You get to fly. I don't. <laughs> Come on. Right? But that's, how, that's what we do as Christians. We're walking around with supernatural power from God, and we're acting like it's a burden. Like, all we want to do is just be normal, fit in. Who, who wants to fit in? Who needs to fit in? Normal is overrated. Normal's not fun. Anxiety is normal. Being overwhelmingly in debt is normal. Right? Gossip and being unhappy and divorce and... and being overwhelmed in parenting all the time. These things are normal. Who wants that? Nobody needs to be normal. I don't need to be normal. I don't want to fit in anymore. I want to stand out for passion for Jesus, passion for life. I want to be vibrant in everything that I do that is attractive to people out there. I want to be saying, if you only knew, you only knew where this happiness actually comes from, that it's a deep well of joy in my soul because of what Jesus has done for me. That every day I get to live with the knowledge that he has forgiven me, that I am not worthy in and of myself, but that Jesus gave his life for me to make me worthy. And now I get to live in the power and presence of my creator God every day. I'm getting goosebumps just saying it. That's what I get to live. And if you only knew if you only knew the gifts God has for you. And this is not a gift I can just shove under the tree with all the others. It's not a gift that can just be added to my life. Right? I can't, it just doesn't fit in with all of the others. The gospel message is not just another thing to add to your schedule. It's not how it works for superheroes. It's not how it works for us. And it is something that infuses itself down to every piece of our life. Christianity isn't supposed to be balanced in with everything else that you do. It's a passion. It's meant to be infused into everything that you do. It affects everything that you do. It takes over everything that you do. Jesus replies to this woman in verse 10. If you only knew. And she says, but sir, you don't have a rope or a bucket. She's so confused right now. <laughs> and what are you, what are you talking about? A water that uh, living, living water. What even is that? 
right? You don't have a rope or a bucket, and this well is very deep. Where would you get this living water? Verse 12, and besides, do you think you're greater than our ancestor Jacob who gave us this well? How can you offer better water than he and his sons and his animals enjoyed? Like, this thing has served us fine for years. I don't get it. And she's still thinking in the practical. She's still thinking in the physical. She doesn't know who Jesus really is yet. She hasn't actually, she met him. She said hi to him, but she doesn't understand who he is yet. Spending time around Jesus is, is fine. It's good. But spending time with him, his presence, his power, his passion inside of you is a whole nother thing. She doesn't know who Jesus is yet. And I see this with young Christians sometimes. Like they're explaining some, some things that they've learned from God and some ways that they have grown and some lessons that they're, they're learning right now. But they're still thinking in these very concrete terms. Right? It's, it's, it hasn't seeped down in their gut yet. Seeing things through these physical lenses. They, they don't understand yet that almost everything that we do is spiritual. Or it comes from a spiritual place. If I'm, I'm not disciplined, it works itself out in all kinds of physical ways. Right? If, if I'm not forgiving the people around me, it works itself out in all kinds of physical ways. And in the beginning of Christianity, we're still trying to fix those physical things. We don't realize that it all comes from the well, deep down in your gut. And it does take a good two to three years of solidly following Jesus to really get that to click, I think, just based on what I've seen, or a radical baptism in the Holy Spirit. Sometimes both. Right? To get us to really start to see Jesus, to understand who we are, our identity in Christ, our very soul has changed. And we now have Jesus. Disciples followed Jesus for a full three years and still saw things in the physical. Didn't quite understand that Jesus wasn't just this guy walking around with them, but he could now be in them. They didn't understand that until the Holy Spirit came on them. That living water started to bubble out of them in the book of Acts. We see this with Peter, for example, who was denying Jesus just weeks ago. And now, infused with the power of the Holy Spirit living inside him, he's preaching on the streets and seeing 3,000 people come to know Jesus. He wasn't physically there with them anymore. He was inside them. It's living water comes out of us. Jesus isn't just someone walking around with us. He's something, someone walking around in us. Things begin begin to change rapidly when you get this truth. And you can fully grasp and understand who he is. Jesus is always trying to get us to see past the physical Don't get me wrong, Jesus is very practical. I love how he pairs the practical and the spiritual in everything that he says and does. But he's also trying to get us to see more. See the physical, acknowledge it's there, absolutely, but there's more. See past it to the spiritual. And so Jesus replies in verse 13, anyone who drinks this water will soon become thirsty again. But those who drink the water I give will never be thirsty again. It becomes a fresh 
bubbling spring within them, giving them eternal life. Becomes a fresh, bubbling spring within them. Within them. I need you to get this truth today. This this is something we're going to be working on all year, that Jesus is not just with us, he's in us. That it's supposed to come from within us. That each and every one of us now gets to become a vessel for the Holy Spirit. It's within you. Oh, I heard my dad tell a story again that I've heard many times, but it was just a very emotional and powerful reminder the other night. He said, he told the story of when he was first in a church like this. Many of you know my dad, Pastor Jerry. He planted this church in 1992. And he grew up in a little Amish kid in Lancaster County. In church, but not this kind of church. You know what I mean? A lot of you are like, yeah, I know. This was crazy the first time I came to. But he, he walked into a church that was similar to this in Lancaster County. And he sat in the back and he hated every minute of it. He said, the music is loud, and this is overwhelming, and there's people dancing and speaking in languages I don't know, and and they're passionate, and, oh, what is this? He said he quickly left through the back doors at the end of that service. He slipped out as soon as he could, but in the parking lot, two ushers tracked him down. Just ushers, right? And they loved him in that parking lot. They just, they got to know him. They asked him about his life and what brought him there that morning. And they overflowed with love for him. So that at the beginning of that conversation, my dad said, I want to get out of here as quickly as possible and never come back. And by the end of a conversation in a parking lot with two ushers, he was saying, what time is your service tonight? It wasn't anything the pastor said that day. It wasn't anything the worship team did. It wasn't the atmosphere or the environment in the room. It was two regular guys overflowing with love for someone they hadn't even met before that day. That is the wellspring. That is the overflowing love of Jesus that we, each and every one of us, is meant to carry around. It is not my job to overflow for the entire church all of the time. It's your job, believer. Your job, Christian, to overflow. Instead, we're trying to water the well. Right? Put some happiness in here. Put some happiness in there. And, and, and I'm trying to put it in my soul. If I can just be more patient. Right? External. If I can just be more patient, then, then I'll, I'll surely I'll feel it. Right? If, if I can just be more... <sighs> more this, more that, more happiness here, then I'll be a better follower of Jesus. It's not supposed to come from the outside. We're watering the well. Stop watering the well. (laughs) That works so well. How awesome is that? Stop watering the well and allow it to overflow from you. This is your soul. Yeah, give the media team a hand because they did this. How awesome. 
We're just going to hide that. It's meant to overflow, guys. This is meant to be us walking around every single day like those two ushers. Overflowing onto the world around us. Our spirit, the spirit of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, is meant to walk around with us, bubbling out of us onto the people around us. We're meant to allow his spirit to overflow into whatever room we walk into. Every relationship we walk into, it's going to flow out of us. If we can get a hold of this and stop trying to fill it with external things, let it flow out. These things are a gift. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Gifts of the Holy Spirit. Not things I have to put on myself and just be more patient, be more loving. I just have to be more joyful. No, it comes out of you. When you pour in Jesus, it comes out of you. Naturally. His holy presence comes out. It overflows. Listen, this year is going to be a year of overflow. I'm declaring it right now. A year of overflow. Overflowing love. Overflowing joy. Overflowing peace. The people around us are going to feel it all over us. Right? So we're going to be walking around with this kind of overflowing love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Because the Spirit of Jesus is deep down in our well. We can't help but overflow. We cannot contain it. We can't keep it in anymore. It's overflowing from within us. Stop watering the well and let it come out. Focus on Jesus. He wants to give you these gifts. He is our living, overflowing water. It's not about the physical. It's not about our experiences. It's not about our circumstances. You might be going through a lot today. And yes, following Jesus can be hard. A lot. It can. But you might find yourself in a prison like Paul and Silas. That might not be your choice. But it is your choice whether or not you sing in that prison. It is your choice whether you ask the Holy Spirit to come in that place and blow the house down with his presence. That's your choice. Psalm 23, 5 says, you prepare a feast before me in the presence of my enemies, not in the absence of problems, in the presence of them. You anoint my head with oil, my cup overflows with blessings. In the presence of my enemies, in the presence of my problems, I am an overcomer haven't overcome these yet, but I am an overcomer because Jesus is an overcomer. So this thing that I'm facing will be overcome. Not by my might and power, not by the things I've put into my life, but by his overflowing spirit coming out of me. Isaiah 48 says, oh, that you had listened to my commands, then you would have had peace flowing like a gentle river and righteousness rolling over you like waves in the sea. You might find yourself in a fire this year, like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. That might not be your choice, but it was your choice whether or not to obey God and not man. It was your choice whether you're going to come walking out of that fire with Jesus Christ beside you, 
not even smelling like smoke. That's your choice. We're gonna be overflowers, not just overcomers, but overflowers this year. Gonna be obedient to the power and presence, personality of the Holy Spirit and allow it to overflow out of us. There are a lot of things out of our control today, but tapping into that presence and power of the Holy Spirit of Jesus Christ is not one of them. Be obedient. This will not just be a year of overflow for our church. It's going to be a year of overflow for you. Some of you are going to see breakthroughs in your finances this year because you've, for the first time, decided to tap into the power of tithing, the obedience of just giving it all to God, letting go of the control and the surrender of your finances, right? That then naturally flowing finances. You'll, you'll start to see breakthrough after breakthrough when you tithe and give into the church. Because what we put in always reflects how much we trust God and how much we trust God. Right? We are faithful and God meets us there. He is faithful. He allows the rivers to flow. And you're not blessed just for your own sake. You're meant to overflow onto the world around you. Make the mission of the church overflow. Serve it. Pour into it your, your entire heart. Care for God's house and he will care for you. Would you stand with me if you're here in the, the building? Bow your heads. Close your eyes. Father, we pray today for every person that's saying, I'm... I'm there. I've been pouring things in. I've been looking at all these external resources and I can't figure out why I'm not happier. I've been doing things on my own for a while. I know I've got some things that I need to let go of. I need to give it all to Jesus today. And I'm not going to count to three. I'm not going to say some magic words and convince you today. If you only knew the love, the gift that Jesus has for you, you would be begging me for Jesus. If you only knew. So today, if you're here in the room and you want to say, I want Jesus, I'm in to following Jesus. I'm in for this journey of obedience to him. I'm in for forgiveness for my selfishness and pride. I'm in. Count me in. Would you just raise your hand right where you are? If you're in the room today and you're saying, I want Jesus, maybe the first time or the first time in a long time. Amen. Thank you for that hand. I see that one. If you're not in the room today and you want Jesus, text the number on the screen, even if you are in the room. Text the number on the screen. I'd love to help you with that decision. Give you some resources to make it easy. Freedom Alley, this is our year of overflowing. God may not drop joy in your lap this year. He may not drop peace in your lap. He may not make it super easy. It's going to flow out of you. When you're obedient to the power and presence of the Holy Spirit, it will flow out of you naturally. It doesn't matter what your circumstances are. It doesn't matter what storm you're facing today. You will have peace. You will have overflowing joy. 
you will naturally flow out onto the world around you. This house is gonna be one of joy. People will walk into the building and say, whoa, the vibe is it's a little different in here. I can feel the energy. I can feel the Holy Spirit. I can feel the joy. And they're gonna walk out of this place carrying it with them. Look, the pastor sets the vision for a church, but you determine the speed and the power and the culture behind it. Each one of you and those watching today are carriers of the presence of Jesus. Go into this world, live out your everyday life with passion, vibrancy, with selflessness. That is how we change the world with the message of the gospel. Amen? Amen? Are you with me? Okay. I love you all. I'm going to pray over you one more time. That God would just infuse you with that presence. Father, we just ask that you would drop into our souls today. That we would easily be able to surrender to your presence, to submit to what you have for us, to follow you in all faithfulness and righteousness. It would just be something that comes naturally then out of us. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, and self-control. We would be people of passion. We will be people of vibrancy and selflessness. God, we praise you. We celebrate you. We leave this place with joy today. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Love you all. We'll see you next week. Thank you so much for joining us today. If you made a decision to follow Jesus, please let us know by going to fv.church slash I am in. And remember to download our app for more content and helpful links. 